The Pharisees wanted to test Jesus and so they asked him, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Okay, so what they're saying is, okay, Jesus, what are the grounds for divorce? When is it legal? Now, I reckon that question in itself is a pretty fair indicator of where their hearts were at with God. These people were religious and they wanted to make sure that they didn't break God's law and so they wanted to know, where's the line? How far can we go before we cross the line? You see, they were wanting not to break the law but their hearts weren't right with God. And they didn't want to know what they could do to please God. They wanted to know what they could get away with. Do you understand the difference of what I'm saying here? Um, A child who wants to please his parents will generally help out around the house. If the eggs need collecting, they'll go and collect the eggs. If the dishwasher needs unpacking, they'll unpack the dishwasher. Um, If their room's a little bit untidy, they'll just clean it up. But some kids probably actually most, um, will only do what they have to. And, okay, we've got a roster and it's my job this week to do these jobs and not the others. Therefore, I'm just going to do this and not do any of the others. One is living by law. The other is living by loving relationship. And until we begin to understand that disciples of Jesus Christ live by loving relationship through the grace of Jesus Christ, you're going to have a lot of trouble understanding the relationship between law and grace. That's, that's the one big thing which Christians grapple with all the time, that, that the relationship between law and grace. Because we are in a loving relationship with God through the grace of Jesus Christ, we strive to live in a manner which is pleasing and honouring to God because we love him and we want to please God in all that we do. The one who lives by law says, oh, I'm not allowed to do this. Or they say, oh, I must do this. Or they might question, what am I allowed to do in these circumstances? Where's the line? How far can I go before I cross that line? That's living by law. But the one who lives by grace says, in Christ I am free and I'm free to live in a way which is pleasing to God. Therefore, how can I most please God in this circumstance? It's the freedom to ask, how can I please God in my life? And so the Pharisees asked, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? That's a living by law question. What can I get away with? And there's something else that lay behind that question. In their day, there were two different schools of thought. One teaching was from Shammai and it took a conservative line and it would only allow divorce in cases of of sexual immorality. The other school of thought was from Hillel who took a much more liberal view, allowing divorce for virtually anything um, that the wife did that displeased her husband. You've got to remember, in this day and age, um, women got a pretty raw deal and it was only the men who who could decide to get a divorce. And, And using this more liberal view of divorce, the man could divorce his wife for anything that displeased her, even if she made a habit of burning the bread when she was baking it. You could say, right, that's it, no more, you're off. Um, 
or even if he was displeased with the way she looked. Women got a raw deal. Now, you can probably guess which school of thought was becoming the most popular among the men. Just as today, divorce is pretty easy. And so what the Pharisees were trying to do was to see which line Jesus took because they took different lines themselves. Some took one view, others took the other. And they're wanting to know from Jesus, well, Jesus, are you a liberal or are you a conservative when it comes to divorce? But Jesus wouldn't play that game because that's the legal game. And instead of answering their legal question, when am I allowed to get a divorce, Jesus pointed them towards scripture to show them what marriage is really about. That should be the starting point. Because when you know what marriage is really about, you're not going to be so worried about questioning, well, when can I get a divorce, if you truly know what marriage is about. And it's the same for us today. If we are living by law, we're going to read this passage trying to find the answer, when is it okay to get a divorce? You know, what's, when's the point at which it's okay? But if you're living by grace, you'll discover in this passage some really beautiful teaching about marriage. And, um, and you'll discover in this passage how in your life, whether you're married or not, how you can most honour God. Okay, so Jesus gives us six wonderful truths about marriage and that's what we're going to be concentrating on mostly. Firstly, marriage is designed by God. The one who created us created marriage. Now I find it quite interesting at the moment that in our nation, our nation legislates in respect to marriage And it seems that the voice that most of the politicians listen to today is not the voice of God, but the voice of social opinion. And so our country's understanding of marriage is getting drawn further and further away from the intent of the Creator. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by this, because as we become a more and more secular nation, of course, we'll be viewing marriage with a more and more secular view. But the whole point is, why would we have marriage at all? if God hadn't designed it as so. And so we should be looking at what our creator says about marriage. So remember, marriage is a good thing. It's designed by God. He he created it from the beginning. And therefore it should be honoured by all. Secondly, marriage is meant to be complementary. God made them male and female. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but men and women are different to each other. Is that a bombshell for anyone? (laughs) I think you all understand that, don't you? Men and women are different. Um, And the difference isn't just the obvious anatomical differences, although they're important too. Men and women are different. And no, it's not a defect in the other sex um, that they're different from you. God has designed us that way. God designed men and women to be different so that we complement one another. Women, no, it is not a defect in your man that he enjoys to go out shooting or fishing or driving heavy machinery or playing footy or whatever. And men, it's not a defect in your woman that she might enjoy cooking or or sewing or, or watching a girly movie. 
It is not a defect that she does not like your car part sitting on the kitchen bench. That's the way God designed us. These are not defects. God designed us to be different. Not so we can repel each other, although our differences might sometimes annoy each other. Nor is it necessarily so that we attract one another. But we are made different so that we complement each other so that we come together to form a union. Now, in some circles, if if I was to say this, I would be made to feel as if I had to apologise for ever even thinking such a thing, that men and women are different. And the PCP, does everybody know who the PCP are? That's the Political Correctness Police. The PCP would condemn us condemn us for ever saying such a thing that there are God-ordained differences between men and women. There are. He made us different. He made us to do different things. He made us to function differently. He made us to think differently. But he made us to come together because he made this complementarity between the sexes. And that is why marriage is between a man and and a woman. And that is why it is a complete absurdity the notion that men could marry men or women could marry women. And Tony Abbott was quite right to challenge the constitutional validity of the ACT's same-sex marriage laws. At this stage, Australia's Marriage Act states that marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, this reflects God's design And that's what our Marriage Act says today. But I don't know how long it'll stay that way. I don't know how long it'll be until Australia follows the path that New Zealand has already taken and the path that many of the US states have already taken. There there is at least one denomination of church in Australia who have already begun discussions within themselves to ask the question, is it okay for men to marry men? Is it okay for women to marry women? And I think that's disastrous when a church starts asking those sorts of questions. God has designed us as men and women. Never be ashamed of your gender. Never be ashamed that you are a man. Never be ashamed that you are a woman. Men be men, but be godly men, be honourable men, be loving men. Women, be women, but be godly women, be honourable women, be loving women. Marriage is meant to be complementary, a man and a woman complementing one another. Thirdly, marriage is intended to be permanent. In Australia, the median duration from marriage to divorce for divorcing couples is 12.2 years. 12.2 years. I think I'm going to be keeping my car longer than that. Actually, I'm pretty sure I will be. Maybe double that. God designed marriage to be permanent. Jesus said, the two shall become one flesh. Let me tell you a little bit about one flesh. 
In 2002, I badly broke my ankle. And at that time, the surgeon said, look, we'll, we'll give it a go and we're going to screw that bone back together. But I've got to tell you, the blood supply to that bone is not real good and the chances are it's not going to heal. And there's a pretty high probability that we're going to have to come back and fuse that ankle. And he was right. A few, few years later, three or four years later, that's exactly what we did. And during the decision process of whether to get my ankle fused or not, he said to me, Michael, this, this is probably going to be the biggest decision that you ever make in your life. It's, it's bigger than buying a house. It's bigger than choosing a career. It's bigger than getting married. He said, there's no going back. Once it's done, it's done. It can't be undone. And they took the two bones and a little piece of another bone and mashed that all up together and put it into the joint and screwed it all together and it grew into one solid lump of one bone. And that's the way it'll be until the day I die. To part them, we would have to smash them apart. It is one flesh. Two bones have become one. And it can't be parted without breaking it and destroying it and causing a lot of hurt. But I did have to disagree with the surgeon because when he said it's bigger than your decision of who you're going to marry, that was a reflection of his outlook on marriage. His outlook on marriage was, of course, well, if you choose the wrong wife, you can can always get another one later on. Um, And I had to disagree with him on that. Because the Bible talks about marriage as being a one flesh relationship. When Robin and I got married, we became one flesh. And I think to me it was like that bone. It started out screwed together, but over time it completely knitted together and grew to form one complete bone. And If Robin and I tried to separate now, it would just tear us to pieces. We'd be broken. And anyone I know who's gone through a marriage breakup can tell you of the trauma that they've suffered in the lead up to that and in the process of it. Marriage is meant to be permanent. But unfortunately, sometimes that marriage gets destroyed. Fourthly, marriage is exclusive. A one flesh relationship is formed by the union of two and no more. You bring a third person or a fourth person into that marriage relationship, it doesn't work. Michael Green wrote this, The man is united to his wife, he becomes one flesh with her. No way is he permitted to have a little flutter on the side any more than she is. Each is pledged to find fulfilment in the other and to discover on earth a model, however inadequate, of the permanent relationship between God and the believer which nothing can break. The marriage relationship is exclusive. Husband and wife and no other. Which sort of gives us a bit of a lead in to the fifth point. Marriage involves a shift in existing family relationships. Now this is an important part that sometimes married couples and sometimes parents don't get. 
A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Some of the biggest problems I've seen in marriages have been because either the husband or the wife or maybe both of them haven't really left their mum and their dad. Perhaps a newly married couple may find themselves living in the home of one of the sets of parents. Bad idea. Bad idea. Got that, boys? Bad idea. Or the wife might be on the phone to mum every day of the week. Or <laughs> um, I'm not too sure about that. They might have brought their ageing parents in, but I think they might have had separate tents. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe, maybe the wife might be on the phone to, to mum every day of the week or the husband on the phone to his mum or dad every day of the week, bringing all of these extra people into their marriage who do not belong. Marriage involves leaving and joining. You leave your parents behind and are joined to your husband or your wife. You don't have an umbilical cord anymore. You might have a belly button even if it's at four foot. But you don't have an umbilical anymore. You're not tethered to your parents. Before you were married, you might have used your parents to as a sounding board to discuss the deep issues of your life. Your parents might have been the sounding board for your hopes and your dreams, your plans and your ambitions. But when you get married, your husband or your wife should become that primary point of contact for for sharing the deep things of your life. There is a shift in your family relationship. Now I have to accept that one day my kids might marry and when that happens they're no longer going to be part of my nuclear family. They're no longer going to be a part of my close family unit. They will form their own nuclear family. They will form their own family unit. Now I, I hope and I pray that they'll continue to have a special loving bond between us and them. But when you get married, you leave your parents and you're joined to your husband or your wife. Finally, marriage is not for everyone. And some of you might go, what? Not for everyone. There are some lovely Christian people who I know who have never been married. And sometimes we married people think, right, we've got to fix that. (laughs) Here they are, lovely Christian people. We've got to find them a lovely Christian partner and we've got to marry them off together. Some way we have to fix this disability that they've got of being single. You see, we love marriage so much. We, We are made whole by being part of this one flesh relationship that we can't possibly imagine that somebody else is going to be better off by being single. But you know what? Some people are better off by being single. And God calls some people to be just that. 
God gives to some people the gift of singleness. And we should never, ever make single Christians feel as if there's something wrong with them. We should never, ever make them feel as if they're excluded because they don't have a marriage partner. Marriage is not for everyone. That's what Jesus taught. Marriage is designed by the Creator. It's meant to be complementary, male and female, complementing each other. Marriage is permanent. Marriage is exclusive. Marriage involves a shift from existing relationships and marriage is not for everyone. Yet still, the Pharisees wanted to know about divorce. They were still hooked into their legalism thing. And they come back and say, well, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? That's a terrible misrepresentation of what Moses said. Moses never commanded them to send a woman away. Moses commanded them to give to her a certificate. Now, the reason for that was so that she could be free to marry again. When out of the hardness of the heart of the man, they had cast aside their wife like yesterday's newspaper. It was a gift of graciousness towards the wife of being able to marry again. Jesus replied, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. Now that was a tough thing to hear. And the disciples thought, wow, if that's the case with marriage, then it's better off not to get married. Now that's a tough thing. Divorce is not the unforgivable sin. You need to know that. Divorce is not the unforgivable sin. If someone comes to me for counselling and says, Michael, I want to divorce my husband or I want to divorce my wife, I counsel them not to. Sometimes for a person's safety or for their sanity, they need to be separated but I counsel them not to get divorced. And I tell them that for two reasons. Firstly, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not here to give worldly advice. I'm a preacher and a teacher and I have to preach and teach what I see in God's word. And God says in Malachi, I hate divorce. Jesus says marriage is permanent. You see, marriage is a covenant which in God's eyes should not be broken. And so I have to say what God teaches in his word. The second reason I counsel people not to get divorced is because I believe in a God who changes lives. I hope you believe in a God who changes lives as well. Now sometimes that might take a long time. But who knows how God is going to change the heart of the husband? Who knows how God is going to change the heart of the wife? Who knows how God is going to change the hearts of both? 
so that they can then complete one another in the one flesh relationship that God makes a thing of beauty. So that's what I counsel. But regardless of this, you and I both know that that we live in a society, we live in a fallen world. You and I both know that sometimes we do things that don't, don't please God. We live in a society where many people, including Christians, have been divorced. So what then? If you've been divorced, what then? Now I want to say it again. Divorce is not the unforgivable sin. There is life after divorce. God's grace is sufficient for you as it is for me. See, I don't always do stuff that's pleasing to God. But through his grace, I'm forgiven. And through his grace, you are too. Now, I want you to consider where you are now, today. It doesn't matter whether you're single or whether you're divorced or whether you're married or whether you're remarried. Live to please God with the rest of your life that you do have. Marriage is designed by the Creator. It is good and it is to be honoured. Live your life today knowing that. Marriage is meant to be complementary, male and female, complementing one another. Live your life today in that way. Marriage is permanent. Marriage is exclusive. Marriage involves a shift from existing family relationships and marriage is not for everyone. Knowing this, honour God in your life today. Honour God in your marriage today. Honour God in your singleness today. Knowing these things.